Welcome to the Mangrove Community, strengthening the community one branch at a time. For more information about the community or how to volunteer, please visit mangrovecommunity.org. Hello, hope everyone is doing well today. Um, it's been a while since the Mangrove Community Presents Reasonable Doubt has been on the air or done any interviews. Um, due to the coronavirus pandemic or COVID-19 pandemic, um, first want to start off by telling everyone hello. I hope everyone is doing well during these trying times. Um, I hope we're spending, you know, as much time as we can with family. And we're staying prayed up and we're staying safe out there. Uh, we have a very special guest here today. We have uh, City Council at Large Position 4, um, Letitia Plummer. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Carl. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, how's everything been? It's been it's been an interesting 90 days. <laughs> I, bet, I bet. I know you didn't expect this. I know the last time we talked, you know, you were geared up. Uh, towards winning, you know, and that was your whole focus. And now we're there. So, how's everything been? What's the ex experience been like? And let's let's talk pre-COVID nineteen. Then we'll okay. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, getting my team together has been amazing. I'm really working on. I was able to keep two people on on the team that was originally with the position or at large for office, which was really nice. Okay. Um, and I brought two people on, um, two of them that helped me a lot on both of my campaigns. And so we already really worked well together. Um, one from social media, so she knew my, my how to speak for my voice, my perspective, what was important to me uh, to get out to people. So really have been able to build a solid team. Um, but the experience has been good. Um, we have, you know, obviously made a lot of friends and um, really kind of working. It's like being, it's like your kindergarten class. And you're all meeting for the first time and you're really right. trying to get a gauge of who's who and what things are important to certain people has been something that I've really tried to focus on, especially my, my district members, mm -hmm. really trying to make sure that I'm there to support them and, and, and um, understand what's important to them because they know those districts more than I do. Right. So kind of gelling those relationships, but it's been, it's been good. You know, I'm still working full time. Um, with the practice, well, not really full-time, probably part-time now. And um, and just kind of balancing both of those has been a little bit interesting, but we're working through it. And uh, I'm just so happy. I want to just thank everyone who voted for me because I haven't been on your show since we won. So right, right. <laughs> seriously tell you, thank you. And for all the people watching and listening, just thank you from the bottom of my heart for getting me here. And I promise I'm going to work hard and keep my word to everyone. Yeah. And and so far you've done exactly that, and that's that's what I appreciate about about you. You know, when we met, you seemed very genuine, very sincere, and I've seen the same since you won and, and been in office. You're still accessible, you know, and that's what we need to see from our leadership in the city. So I really appreciate what you're doing and how you're going about doing it. No, oh, thank you, thank yeah, you, and, and thanks for coming back on the show. You know, yes, um, of course. we appreciate it. Um, <laughs> So I know things have been kind of hectic, you know, with, I know you didn't plan this at all. What, what, let's talk about this. So what was your plans, your 90 day plans or hundred day plans prior to COVID-19? 
Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, one thing that we talked about whole, the whole entire campaign were three three major focuses. One, uh, the concept that our mayor has in terms of complete communities. We talked about that a lot. Um, and, you know, I kind of wanted to relook at that whole process. He was really focusing on putting homes in specific areas in terms of affordable housing, typically black and brown communities, lower income communities. Uh, and I, I loved that idea. I just kind of felt that we needed to add to that, that public private partnership, right? Um, which he's doing, done a great job doing, but coming from the private sector, really wanted to add to that. And I just felt like, putting homes in areas where you still didn't have the healthcare, you still didn't have grocery stores, you still didn't have, um, you know, uh, you know, any type of healthcare center at all, uh, transportation and things of those sort, that sort to allow people to thrive within their particular communities was something that I really wanted to bring and focus on. Uh, so that was one issue that we really haven't been able to, to, uh, to do a lot with right now. Um, and, uh, and that was really the biggest push I had because I felt like that touched every single piece that was important to me, just mm-hmm. kind of creating the, all the basic true need. Obviously, I'm still fighting the I-45 expansion. We did really good coming out of the gate, um, you know, trying to have them regroup on that expansion. I feel like the city has now proposed a better option, uh, but COVID obviously has put us in the back burner on that as well. Uh, but we, we had a great, great first town hall meeting. It was a, a movie night and we mm-hmm. showed what highway expansion de- did in the 1950s and mm-hmm. how it's no different from what it's doing right now. Yeah. Um, so those are yeah. two top hot points. Are, are you referring to like how the, the highways in the 1970s cut through a lot of minority communities? Yeah, so in the 1950s, it happened in New York, right? In the 70s, you're exactly right. We saw it here. In the 80s, we saw that that um, it happened in 288, divided up that third ward area. So it's been something that we have had constant conversations about, we, we, but for some reason, we still haven't really learned the lessons. Okay. And so really still talking about that issue. Um and um, and that, that was obviously a big big push for me to make sure that I had I was a voice for those communities, um, for oh. for so many reasons health disparities all of it. Gotcha. Will there be more meetings surrounding the I forty five expansion? So now what we're waiting for is we're waiting to hear back from the from TechSot, uh mm-hmm. to see kind of we did submit so the so the city did these um, individual meetings all over the all over the city in certain areas that would be affected by the I-45 expansion. And they collectively took all that information and then they came up with their own idea, which I felt is very, very solid. So our whole goal was staying within the footprint of I-45 instead of expanding out those additional lanes, which would eat up those communities like Independence Heights and Kelly Gardens and those areas, right? Um, And so the city actually agreed, which was nice. So all the fighting and the, and the, um, the constant community engagement worked. So I believe that we do have an, uh, um, a solution that will, that will fall within the footprint of I-45, which is great. Yeah, and so great. Now our hopes is that, I, that the tech, that TxDOT would agree to that mm-hmm. and understand that's what the mayor wants to push and, um, and then move forward with that, with that um, development in that way. Beautiful. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out that way because and I'm sure you can attest to this now. My schedule was so jam-packed around that time. Mm-hmm. Every time I saw one of those dates, I'm like, oh, I already have a prior engagement. So I, I missed all of those meetings and I was wondering how how that was coming about and how it turned out. So that's good to hear that 
they were able to save some of the communities that were at risk at that particular time. Um, yes. Yeah, so- so for so for full for full transparency, that is Houston's recommendation to Texas, right? So Texas still has to come back and say what they're going to do, and um, and hopefully agree with what our recommendation is. But I will say this: it's really difficult for an organization to come into a city as powerful as our mayor is and as large um, as our city is to come in and do something that the that the city or the mayor isn't really supporting. Right. So getting 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 that done was in my opinion a huge success and you know as you know in our world you know we have to celebrate those small successes right they build on and create larger ones yep and i mean and with people like you in office and you know uh savvy alcorn Mm -hmm. you know and not to take anything away from anyone else but i know you are you two are newbies in there for sure i see the passion and the drive that you have and i love what you all bring to the table and um, I wanted to touch on those complete communities again, because I, again, when I saw it, I loved the idea. The only downside of, or what I would like to see is it expand because mm-hmm. it only touched certain communities and there's more communities in the city of Houston that can benefit from something like that. So is that is that what you were talking about as far as expanding on it and spreading it to different communities and other communities throughout the city? Yes. So the mayor has um, the mayor has specific communities that he wants to touch. We already have some that are already in place. The problem, though, still is, is that we don't have the, the infrastructure around the community mm-hmm. that allows that community to thrive the way that we want to. And so what I want to do is go to the communities that we already are have designated as complete communities. And I can give you a list of those. They're on our website, okay. on the, Houston, the city of Houston website. You can see which ones have been that um, kind of allocated as community or designated as complete communities. You can look at those. Um, and it, as you see them, the, the groundwork is there, but we really have to bring our transportation with us with the bond that we pass on, on Metro bond that we passed. We need to make sure we spend those dollars properly to where people are not waiting two hours at the bus stop, that they are covered and secure bus stops. Uh, for them that we start, um, you know, I know that a lot of uh, Metro was looking at usage to determine mm-hmm. which bus stops should be um, that are being used the most. But I feel a lot of those numbers may be a little bit um, skewed because if you're waiting for two hours, typically you're not going to use that particular bus stop, right? right, right. Uh, it's time to wait two hours for the bus to get there. And right. so I want I'm going to be checks, giving those checks and balances to ensure that However, our communities can move around the, in the most efficient and effective way, we're going to do that. And then how do we get the grocery stores? Our communities have no good grocery stores. I mean, they are true food deserts. True food deserts. And, and in HEB or Aldi, you're not going to come to our communities until we make sure that they're safe and that they're secure. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of our um, people in the black and brown communities spend cash when they're buying other uh, groceries. And so it's hard to track expenditures. Um, we don't typically buy those top, those high ticket items like the steaks, the things that have a higher markup. So it's hard to get a larger, um, you know, entity, right, to come into our communities. So we've got to work those things out. And because I come from the private sector, I am able to have those conversations effectively and find what is that middle road. We have got to get some good grocery stores in black communities. And is it... Or is it possible to even have people from within the community 
invest and and build their own grocery store? Is that a possibility, or do we have to bring like an HEB or Kroger's or something into the community? No, that's a great question, Carl. Let me tell you the so so there, that's a two part question. One, I don't want to eliminate, and I call them mom and pop, but not not in a disrespectful way, right? Our 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 stores or grocery stores have been there for years, for twenty and thirty years, right? Um, if you can imagine, you know, it costs more for them to buy a banana than right. an ATV, right? And so it's hard for them to keep good fresh uh, produce in their in their um in their in their grocery stores because it costs so much more for them to get it there. And so what I would like to see is create a collaboration um, between all of the mom and pop grocery stores mm-hmm. in one particular area. And then we all buy collectively. Right. right? And right. So now we're buying bananas for a cheaper price. Yep. So now all of our community, all of our, you know, mom and pop grocery stores have bananas. Mm-hmm. And they pay the same amount, or maybe not the same amount, but very close to the they amount. Can, right? They can compete. Larger. Right. Exactly. So I want to start that part first because I want us to thrive. And then um, and then we move on to the next one. But right now, if we can get them to be able to give them some buying power, it would be really phenomenal. And so in that in that instance, you know, we are I am talking about making sure we elevate those stores first. Mm-hmm. Um, because we need, you know. As you know, and we're seeing it a lot right now with the, with the COVID situation, it's touching our communities the most. And they keep on talking about it as if it's a new situation. It isn't new. It's just a, it's just a, new, it's just a new virus. It's all in our communities that are most affected. And the reason is because we have the highest level of um, disparities on every level, from education, from, from IT and the digital divide, to healthcare, to... Um, you know, to access uh, information. I mean, there's so many reasons why there are disparities around our communities. And so, yes, Black people are dying from COVID, but Black people are also dying from high blood pressure. Black people are also dying from diabetes at rates much higher than any other race because we don't have, the, we don't have what's necessary um, to take care of ourselves. And so what we put in our bodies is really important from a healthcare perspective. And I believe if we start there, then, um, then we will be able to eliminate the, the reputation that we have right now in terms of always being affected first and the most. And we definitely have to educate ourselves in the area of nutrition and diet and things like that, because I know there will be people that say, uh, well, Big Mama ate oxtails and this soul food every day of her life and she lived to be 90. Well, think about it. Big Mama she lived in a different time where we were a little bit more active. She may have had to walk to a bus stop or work, or she may have been in her garden every day. It, this society with the technology, we're not as active as we used to be in our daily lives. You know, you have to make it, you have to purposely be active nowadays. They make everything so easy and accessible for us that you barely have to get up and lift the fingers. Um, another thing outside of the health, when it, when it comes to this COVID um, for sure, I look at the jobs that we hold too. A lot of us hold the frontline jobs, oh, you know. Yes. So, and we and those are the people that are most exposed to the the virus at this time. So, when I look at the numbers, I take that into account as well. You know, the exposure. Right, and that's what I'm saying. So, I'm going to just jump back on in terms of the grocery stores because I really am very sensitive to the fact that because, like you said, we typically have. Um, 
more lower minimum wage jobs. And we are working on that kind of, you know, we do, we are getting wages that are much less than anyone else. And so when you tell a family, a single mom of you know, three or four kids, and you say, listen, feed your kids well, you have to be careful with that because she's doing the best she can with what she has, right? And buying lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers and broccoli is a lot more expensive than buying something in a can. And so we have, that's why I want to, figure out a way or a solution to elevate the areas that she shops mm-hmm. uh, so that we can, so she can, so she can, when she has to make a decision between feeding all four of her children, she doesn't have to make a choice between a canned item and something that's fresh. Right. That should not be something that she has to, she has to make a decision on. Right. Um, and I want to kind of go back on that because I don't want to be insensitive and say that we purposely don't buy healthy. Right. Um, Cause that's not the case at all in our household. Um, but it's speaking, but, but going back to the COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, Carl, not only do we, are we frontline workers? We also live in multi-generational households. So we got auntie there. We got her two kids. We've got grandmama there with, you know, it, it's, it's multi-generational. The home, the apartments that we live in, a lot of them are not up to par. So there there's, 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 you know, um, they're, they're not built properly. A lot of them, right? And so asthma is something we have to worry about. Black and brown communities are very, very close to, to freeways and, a, and a high pollution areas, you know, cement batch plants. I mean, all those things are where our homes tend to be. And so if you put all that, if you add additively, put all that together, then we are, we're, we're, there's a disparity there, right? And, and those are the reasons why we're hit the hardest. So let me ask you this: With you're you're in a position now where you can really affect change and make change. But one thing I do know is that you'll need the community support. Hundred percent. What, as community, uh, as citizens within the community or residents, what can we do to assist you in your efforts to make people aware first and educate people, and then actually execute and, and make these things happen in our community? Sure. So one thing that I will say that is when we're putting these housing, these how these new affordable homes in communities that have any type of environmental issues, I'm trying to think how to say this, Carl. Without it's like we're doomed from. I can say it from you. We're doomed from the start. Yeah, it's 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 (laughs) almost like, and this is not our fault, right? But it's almost like we are so accustomed. To accepting whatever True. and feeling like we're benefiting or we're the lucky ones because we got a little bit of something. It's almost like as a generation, we don't ask for enough. We don't. Does that make sense? It does. It's like you always, we were always taught to be thankful and grateful. Yes. And right. I, I think we forget about the part where, and now I'm going biblically where he says we were meant to live life and live it more abundant. Yes. You yes. Know, we, we, we yes. Can't forget about that part. Exactly. We have to know that we are worthy and we have value to ask for exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I don't know. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, for so many reasons, we're just grateful. And we have always taught just be grateful. But I'm telling you right now, Carl, I'm in a position and I can't make everything happen, but I'm going to push the envelope. And we deserve a lot. And we have worked really, really hard. And 
before I see our community suffer any more than they already have, I'm just going to kind of scream from the, from the rooftops because we've got to get more and we just can't settle anymore. And the money is, you know, everyone says we don't have the money, but we just have to spend the money differently. Yes. And like I talked about when I was on the campaign, it's time to, to level the playing field. And then from there, we all flourish. Right. So, I mean, I, I want to look at those communities in the same way that we're looking at COVID and how do we test? We're going to the hot, the hot spots, mm-hmm. right? We're going to the places that are going to have the most cases, putting testing sites there and testing those areas. Well, we should look at the growth of the city of Houston in the exact same way. Exactly. Build from the hot spots. Yep. You, know I, I mean? you know, I can go back to Harvey where it seems like the the areas, the west side of the town, the Katy, Cypress, all that, they were, people came in, the funding came in. I actually, I was on a guy's show not too long ago who was affected by Harvey. And this was maybe with, in the last three or four months I was on his show. And he told me he's still living off his Harvey money. Now, if I go talk to somebody from a low income community, they'll tell you I didn't even get enough to fix my house or get get my car replaced or anything like that. So that's when I saw that, you know, it's like those communities are always the last ones to be considered. Or And then part of it, again, goes back to education and going after that funding, knowing exactly what to do to get it. So. um, I want to say this while I have a chance. I'm here personally, um, you know, I represent District B, but again, I'm from the, I'm for for the whole city of Houston. I'm here for you as a community advocate, whatever you need from me, let me know. I love what you're doing. And um, I I definitely want to do some work with you to make some of these things come to fruition in our community. No, thank you. And we just have to get through the whole COVID situation. But right now I'm fighting to make sure that we get testing sites in our communities. We've got to know if we're, you know, if you're positive or not. So really focusing on those lower income communities, making sure testing is there. Um, You know, I want to talk and maybe we could talk about it. It's another time, but people that have filed unemployment, how to work through that process. We've got to get information to our communities so that, so that they're armed with the right information so they can make good, solid, solid decisions. Right. What type of uh, resources do you know that are available through the city, if any, as far as people who may be struggling or to pay their rent or pay bills? Sure. Do yeah, definitely. So so my office and Sally, so let me just say this. I've got to say this. Sally Alcorn, Councilmember Alcorn, has been my ride or die <laughs> on council. Because we, have, we are so in sync in terms of just where we are and what and keeping our promises, um, our campaign promises. Um, but we worked really hard together for tenant relief. And we work behind the scenes with the with the mayor. We work behind the scenes with um, the, uh, the, the apartment, um, apartment association, uh, with housing, uh, economic development, all those issues. And we are just so excited. The mayor announced today that we are going to get relief um, from the CARES Act. Now, I don't know how much money it's going to be, but uh, I've got to just kind of toot my horn on that because we're really, really excited about that. Go, so, girl. Yeah, so <laughs> you well, We were boxing back in the back, <laughs> but we got it done. And um, so I don't know how much it's going to be, but it's going to, it's going to help a lot. Uh, but I will say this, and uh, we talked about, you know, a lot of us now, the, the, the word budget doesn't even come into our, our vocabulary because most of us are living month to month anyway. 
right? Right. Um, but I will say that we're people are getting their unemployment checks now. They're getting a, a, a stipend from the government. Some people are getting, getting an additional six hundred dollars um, from the from the te- from the uh, Texas Workforce Commission as well. So some people may see a little bit of an excess in resource. And what I'm asking is just to kind of look at those dollars. And um, at some point, we'll have a a little conversation about budgeting our, you know, budgeting dollars. Um, But we really have to be a little bit frugal with the extra that we're getting because we're not going to have enough money come down to pay two months back rent. Exactly. Exactly. I just want us to look, just look at money a little bit differently in our communities because I don't want us to be, you know, there is an eviction. There's a moratorium on evictions right now until the middle of May. But remember now we're two months behind, right? right? Right. And I just want us to be a little bit cautious as that money's coming in as a family come together and say, okay, this is how we're going to spend this, these dollars. This is what this is going for this and really kind of be smart about it. Cause I don't want it to get caught off guard um, when it, when it is time to get that, to get that rent paid. Yeah. And, and just to put it out there, mangrove community, we are, you know, in our efforts, you know, until that funding does become available, we're, we're raising funds right now to yeah. pay rent for, someone who's been laid off and then also a frontline worker who's choosing to stay in a hotel room so they won't go, you know, to have the risk of affecting their family with the virus. So that's what we're doing right now. And, you know, anyone who would like to help out, uh, www.mangrovecommunity.org, you can donate there. But, um, yeah, definitely keep us keep us in the loop of when that becomes available. And we'll definitely I'll work with educating the people on how to apply for that, that funding once it becomes yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, our barbers and, and hair beauticians, those are, they can, they can apply for the PPP money. Okay. And so I don't want them to think that there's no, you know, assistance for them too. the money's definitely moving really slowly. Uh, we're on a second, that second batch of, of dollars um, that have been, um, you know, assigned to it, assigned, mm-hmm. uh, haven't, hasn't been distributed yet, but independent, you know, if you're an independent uh, contractor, um, then you can apply for those dollars as well. Okay. Uh, but le- I want to say that if anyone's having a hard time with um, applications or, um, you know, finding, getting answers with the, with the Texas Workforce Commission or anything that's just stifling them from getting the information that they need, please email me at, um, at, at large, number four, at houstontx.gov. And that's at. L-A-R-G-E, the number four at HoustonTX.gov. I've got a team at my team at the office is working diligently to get answers to, to, uh, to our residents, to give them the support that they need so they make, they can make really good decisions right now. Cause I know it's rough for everybody. Yes, it is definitely. And um, definitely appreciate the work you're doing. Also, I see that you're doing pop-up kitchen. Yeah, we see. got you on the list. We didn't forget about you. <laughs> yes, and yes. You, did we gonna... see that um, Southern Q was on Good Morning America this morning. Oh, really? Oh, that's yes. awesome. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking forward to it. That's great. Well, we are we are doing so good. We um we have we have raised twenty two thousand dollars so oh, far. Wow. We have fed by Friday. We would have fed five thousand people. 5,000. That's amazing. Which is so awesome. Right. And, um, and, and we've got, we, we can keep this thing going. Cause I've got the resources, the Harvey and Margie foundation gave us 5,000 and then they did a $5,000 match 
And then all the other money was raised through small donations, which has been really cool. And so we're serving hot meals and uh, we're trying to do upwards of 200 meals now per day. Okay. And uh, we're running out really quickly. We will be at St. John's church um, in Acres Homes. Okay. Pastor CJ, um, Connie Jackson. Okay. And I'll send you the address on that. Okay. Um, But we are going to be there on Friday. Okay, this Friday. Okay. This Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, send me the info and I'll I'll post the address and everything online. Okay. So and it's so who is um who who has access to come and get the food? Is it for anyone or? Yes. Yeah, so it's not well. We're, we we started doing it with see for seniors and the unemployed. Okay. Now I'm not take you know we're not checking anything because everyone's having a rough time right now. Um, but we are asking that if you are working and you are getting unemployment and you can afford to buy groceries, you know, leave that meal, you know, allow someone else to have that meal. Um, because there are a lot of people out here that have not been able to get their unemployment yet. And especially our seniors, um, they just, they can't get out to those multi-purpose centers to get, a, a, you know, anything good to eat. Uh, the Houston Food Bank though has been amazing as well. They've just done such a great job. So Definitely, they've got multiple locations around the city. Probably want to post those locations as well. Okay, cool. So again, y'all heard it. If you know seniors unemployed, if you can afford food, please don't don't bump someone else off the list who can really use it, who needs a meal. Um, so be mindful of that. Be mindful of others and the situation you're in, the situation other people may be. So um, we'll post that information. Uh, after the live so everyone can can take advantage of that so um one other thing i want to touch on i know because you're with the city and it seems like there were kind of um there it wasn't a complete agreement on this mask on the wearing the mask and the result or consequences of not wearing it as a city where do we stand because i know i've heard from the county you know, we have to wear the mask for the next 30 days. Mm-hmm. If you're caught not wearing a mask, it can be a $1,000 fine or up to, I think, 180 days in jail. But then I've also heard the mayor come on and say, you know, we're not finding anyone. We're going to give them a mask before we find them. So what what should people expect or, you know, went out and about with the whole mask? No, definitely. So so the, the county judge really supersedes I mean, if you're living in Harris County, I would strongly recommend um, wearing something. Now, the, this is the caveat. It's not a mask. It's it's covering. Cover. So you can get a bandana. Mm-hmm. You can cut a part of a T-shirt. You, can, you don't have to wear a physical N95 or surgical mask. Right. That's not what we're asking. Just you can cut a half a scarf. You know what I'm saying? And tie it over your and tie, tie it over your face. It's just a facial covering um, that we want because if you sneeze or you cough, we definitely don't want uh, that to go everywhere. And the reason, Carl, that 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 I'm supportive of that uh, is because many people are asymptomatic, don't have any symptoms, and they could be positive for COVID. And that's the scariest thing about this virus is the fact that you can have it and not have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so you may, it's not like you're not being careful or cautious about the other person. You just right. may not know you have it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, so we, we just want to be a little bit careful on that part of it. But in terms of finding you exactly right, there's no one that's going to, that's really enforcing any of it. It's really of an independent um, 
responsibility that we have as people, right, from a public health perspective. Which I, and I see it, I understand it from that point, you know, because I, when I go into public places, I wear a mask. Just like you say, I may be protecting the people from me versus mm-hmm. thinking I'm protecting myself from them. Yes. Like you say, you, no one knows who has it. This is new. I mean, we don't have all the information. We mm-hmm. see day to day how things change. But I do understand the other side of the argument. And I mean, you don't have to speak on it, but I just want to put it out there because you have people that feel like their constitutional rights are being. Yes, I know. I know. But for safety measures, it's better to be safe than sorry. So that's why I wear my mask and I would, you know, I would suggest everyone elsewhere just to say, you know, but um, yeah, I just feel like the part that really took a lot of people back was that you can be fined in a time where people are already struggling. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't, I wouldn't, I, honestly, we don't need any more stress on us right now. Right. I don't want any of our community worrying that they're going to get hit with a fine and definitely not going to jail. Um, it's really just kind of something that, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just really something that we want to make sure that we take care of each other. Cool. It's public responsibility. Yep. Wonderful. So um, I know we, we talked about the grocery stores and food deserts, and one thing I did want to talk to you about um, community gardens. Do you feel like that's something that can help curb the, the food deserts that we're seeing and bring fresh produce and also like, educate people, you know? A hundred percent. That was on our list. That was on our list. Um, and I had a great conversation with representative Jarvis Johnson. He's just, um, he's really been focusing on food gardens as well. So we were going to actually take a portion of our pop-up kitchen money mm-hmm. that we don't spend and we're actually going to invest in seeds. Mm-hmm. So yes. So we are definitely on the move on that. I'm probably going to tag team with Representative Johnson um, on a lot of the um, a lot of the gardens that he already has active. But yes, if you know of any, please let's just kind of get together yep. and do this thing as a team. But yes, I mean creating gardens in our community is just a really big deal, and um, it is a it's a great way of of making sure that we eat fresh for right. sure. And then I just when I go to like the northeast side of Houston and. And acres home and i see those homes sitting on more land than you you see in your suburban communities yeah. i'm like this is this would be great to teach people how to garden and you, you go to your backyard and get what you need and it helps save money you know so it's there's multiple benefits to community gardens so yeah we definitely want to get with you on that and, and get as many as we can in our communities to to help alleviate these food deserts. You know, at least that can be a go-between until we get the investment dollars for grocery stores and things like that. Right, 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 right. And yeah, the really cool thing is those gardens could sell to our mom and pop grocery stores. Exactly. It really, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, we have to learn, we have to teach our community how to fish. Yes, we do. And and I, I love your, I love the way you think because we think alike, just like when your whole idea about getting a mom and pop store stores together to increase their buying power that was an idea i had uh with a buddy of mine he, uh, he owns a liquor store and okay. i know i know a few other people that own them i'm like why not get together and buy together so you can increase your buying power and, and compete with specs and places like that so it's that same mentality and then as well with the selling back to the mom and pop stores like i I, I was once in negotiation with a guy on getting some land in the Greenspoint area. It, it fell through, um, but I'm still pushing to make this community garden thing happen. And when talking to him, there's a, 
uh, juicing place right in Greens Point that they sell fresh um, juice, mm-hmm. and they get everything from Whole from Whole Foods. And I was told them like, "Hey, we get this community garden going. Yeah. I'm your guy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's farmer table. It, right. it, in, in a true way and we can do this thing i just feel like i feel like so many especially in the political world so many of us say why we can't do something and um and i think that we need to change our perspective and figure out just take the nose away from it and figure out how to get it done yep. and it may not be ideal initially but it is going to take us to think outside the box and it may not be perfect the first time but I feel like trying something new and different should not be something that we're scared of. And it definitely positions us to visit to a place to where we can be successful internally. Right. Right. So um, is there anything else that you'd like to let us know about that we have, that you have going on with the city Any resources that are available at this time that people may not be aware of? Sure, well, everyone's home. <laughs> so so everyone can come to council meetings now because you're at home. <laughs> so I really, I want people, you know, one thing you asked what you could do, we want more engagement. Okay. And I know city council meetings are probably really boring, but it's a good way to hear what's going on and what your representatives are talking about mm-hmm. and kind of what's a, high to- a hot topic point. So I definitely recommend... Uh, people to tune in. If you've got internet at home, you go to HTV, which is Houston TV, mm-hmm. and log on, and everything's live. It's at nine o'clock in the morning on Wednesdays. Okay. Please just just hop on there. You don't have to stay on the whole time, but if you want to know what's going on with these CARES dollars, mm-hmm. and you want to know how we're going to spend it and what the plan is going to be, mm-hmm. that's where you're going to find out. Okay. So that's HTV. HTV mm-hmm. at, at nine o'clock in the morning. Nine as far as um, as far as the Tuesday city city hall meetings, are those still being held right now? They are, and that's at two o'clock. You can still go on to HTV, and those are at two o'clock. Okay, and that's right. a public session, so we're just listening to the community. And you still have people actually coming in, and it's not they done. Yeah, we're limiting them. You know, we're it's let, not we can't have more than ten people in the room. You know, we're still doing a lot of social distancing with it, um, and it's it's obviously really beneficial too. Um, but watching our city council, you know, uh, when we were campaigning, people complained not complained, but people had an issue or had a difficult time engaging with the city of Houston because the council meetings happen in the morning and typically people are at work, right? Well, now's a really great time to get engaged, True. and and so while you're home. Hop on HTV, watch our council meetings, because when you watch, and then you can all, they're all taped. So even if you miss it, you can get back on there and watch it. And um, and, and really watch and see kind of what's going on. I think this is going to be an interesting time in terms of how we're going to spend those dollars. we got $404 million. How are we going to spend those dollars? Where is it going to go to? How are we prioritizing testing? I mean, lots of questions are being answered now or asked now uh, from our directors, and we're getting really good, solid answers. So that, that kind of community engagement is going to be important. And as you have questions, shoot them over to my email to my office and we can help kind of work through those questions. H-Town, we have city council at large for Letitia Plummer. Y'all see a lot here in the flesh. She's very accessible. And again, I continue to encourage everyone to educate yourselves on the political process. I know everyone is talking about buying black and black dollars and economics and things like that we have to get involved in the political realm as well. They all play hand in hand. You can't 
if you want to build a home or i mean a business you have to go down to city council you have to get a permit they have to sign off on it so we have to get engaged in the political world as well so i encourage you all again this is your city council at large position number four letitia Plummer. she said email her if you have any problems and believe me they they get back to you you know i from the first time I met her on the campaign trail to now, you know, it's the same interaction and the same communication. I deal, I deal with her office people now. I don't <laughs> deal with her directly, but she still gets back to me. I still text you back there. I called you immediately when you. No, you did. You did. I'm, I'm just, man, I'm just messing with you. But no, you, you're still the same, and I really appreciate you for being who you are and doing what you're doing. No, I couldn't be here without me, without all of you. You know, this is a, an honor to be to be elected, and I. This is this. I'm working for everyone that's listening right now. So. Um, I'm going to keep on working, you know, really giving me and feeding me information that's important to the communities is crucial. That's how I get my, uh, that's how I get inspired in a lot of ways, because I know what means something to all of you. And then I can come up with some creative ideas and some solutions on how to fix the problems. But um, thanks again for everything, Carl. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for loving our communities as much as you do. And um, we'll be in touch. And uh, if there's anything I can do for anyone listening, please, or watching, please, at large, the number four at HoustonTX.gov, reach out to me. We've got some good PowerPoints on there on our website. We're on Facebook as well. So hop on there. We've got some good PowerPoints. We've got some good information about the loan information that the, um, the PPP money, how to apply for it, and what is, what, how is it to be used or spent and things of that sort. So it's all on our site. And we're just trying to feed as much information as I can to, um, to our constituents so they can make some good, solid decisions. Cool. Again, appreciate you. And thank you for actually getting out and rolling your sleeves up and you're still out in the public doing what you do. I, that says a lot, especially with everything that's going on. And I definitely will be praying for you and your family that you all continue to stay covered and, you know, continue to be blessed in doing what you do. Thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you. And same, same to you. Everyone, please, please, please be safe. Um, you know, really seriously be safe. And um, the CDC, let me just mention this really quickly, the CDC mm-hmm. website is actually very good information. Um, if you kind of comb through that, it does allow you to prepare because uh, a lot of times no one knows who's going to get the get COVID. And so there's a lot of really good tips on there, very usable tips on there. So you can hop on there. And then the Houston Health Department, go to our go to their webpage. It shows all of the testing sites that are open. We've got some mobile units that are moving around now as well. Mm-hmm. You can tell people where to go. It's a very, very good source of information um, okay. as well. And as that tenant relief information comes down the pike in terms of how to apply for it, who does the money go to, how much will be allotted to each person and family member, um, it will be on our website, but that's also going to be available too. And I've also made the recommendation to create a hotline mm-hmm. for our tenants and our landlords. And it's not really a complaint hotline. It's a hotline to gain information right. so that you can know what your rights are. Um, if you get an eviction notice, what to do, um, how to apply for those dollars, that kind of thing. Cause you really want people to get information. And when, when would that be lifted? Whether or not charging late or evictions, will that be lifted this Friday? Sure. So, so uh, May, I want to say the 14th, Carl, don't, don't hold me. It's some date in the middle of May. I want to say it's the 14th. The, um, the, uh, the, the Texas Supreme court mandated that they extended the moratorium. So people cannot be evicted. They've given us an extension to the middle of May. Okay. So no one can be, so no one, please hear me. 
No one can legally be evicted from their apartment or their homes right now. I'll be very, very clear on that. Who should they contact if they do find themselves in that position? You know, send me an email at, at large four and I can direct them to the right person. I don't want to give the wrong information on that. But if you send me, if you send me an email, if you're worried about something about an eviction, I can direct them to the right person. Gotcha. Because it matters if they're in the city or county, that plays a part as well, right? Right. Yeah. They have to be in the city of Houston, except the county is doing the same thing. So um, they're, they're putting some, some, so it's, it's all of Texas. This is moratoriums for the whole entire state of Texas. It's, gotcha. It's the Texas Supreme Court. So we do have a little bit more time. But I, I want people to understand, this doesn't mean you don't have to pay May or April. Right. Okay? Right. Okay. You can't be yeah, you're still yes. going to have I to I want to make sure we're very clear on that, right? That's back to what you said about saving that stimulus money that you're getting. Yes. That's not like regular income tax, which you should save that money too. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah just please save that money. <laughs> Don't cash the check. Hold on to it for just a second. <laughs> right, right. No waving twenties on Facebook. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, it was a pleasure, and I'm looking. We're looking forward to seeing you out in the Greenspoint area with the pop up kitchen. Yeah, we'll be there. You're on our list. CC will be calling you. I finally got somebody to help that helps me with all my special events and. Okay. She's been amazing. Uh, her name is Cece Scott, and she's been really great. So we're moving around now. Um, and so uh, yeah, it, it's all we have pop-up kitchen is our Facebook page. And okay. uh, they can hop on there and they can see where we are, kind of a calendar where we're going to be. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'll give you all those links and so that you can post them on the on the uh, on your Facebook page as well, so everyone so the community knows what's going on. But I want to hear from everyone. I want to know what's going on. I um everyone's in my prayer always every day, and uh, just keep me posted what I can do to help. Okay. All righty. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Carl. Take care of yourself. All right. You too. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye bye. Bye. All right. That's another episode of Mangrove Community presents Reasonable Doubt. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, I hope you gained information that you needed from that. Um, City Council at large position number four, Letitia Plummer. She had a lot of information man, and we need more, more representatives like that, you know, that are willing to sit down and talk to an everyday Joe like myself, you know, and she really has a passion and cares about the community. Again, if you need anything, you know, you know where to contact us, deeply rooted at mangrovecommunity.org. That's our email. Reach out to us if you missed any of this information and you you would like to get it. Um, we'll be posting some follow-up information that we discussed. Um, and again, like always, y'all stay blessed and step out on your purpose today. Mm -hmm.